Hey there, you're listening to What the Riff? Join us as we remember the great rock and roll hits from a month between 1965 and 1995. We're going to riff on all things about the bands, the members, and the goings-on during that time. We hope to inspire you to find and download the songs you hear today, whether you're fans who forgot about some of these tracks or maybe never heard them before. Check out our blog at whattheriff.com and follow us on Facebook at What the Riff. Here's a shout-out to our sponsors, the Southeastern Railway Museum right here in Duluth, Georgia. Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better. So let's turn up the volume and get into this episode of What the Riff? 78 die when a club in Seoul, South Korea burns down. The first interstellar radio messages sent to a cluster of stars 25,000 light years away. And the U.S. and the Soviet Union agreed to the SALT II Treaty to reduce nuclear weapons. This is November 1974, and you're listening to What the Riff. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. And Bruce brings us this album. What you got, Bruce? All right. We're going to be walking on the countryside of rock today. This is Linda Ronstadt. And this is I Can't Help It If I'm Still in Love With You. This cover goes back a ways. It was written and originally recorded by who? Hank Williams. Good guess. Hank Williams back in 1951. It went to the number two on the Billboard Country Singles Chart back then. And a bunch of people have covered this song. But Ron Stats covers the most successful. It went to number two on the Billboard Hot Country Singles Chart. And it won a Grammy in 1976 for Best Female Country Vocal Performance. Elvis recorded a demo of this song in like 1961, but it wasn't released until 1997 for his. That box was during song. the. That was during that, that two-week period where he recorded all those songs, where a lot of those songs got recorded, right? In in Memphis. Oh, it could be. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, there was a two-week period where Elvis like basically brought in a bunch of session artists and he had like a ton of songs to record yeah and i believe that was one of them oh wow okay so this is off of the fifth solo studio album by linda ronstadt it came out in november of 1974 what do y'all think about ronstadt i i love the one of the songs you're playing today and i never really thought of her as country musician okay so, but obviously she is here, but uh, I like this. She, her voice is great. She's got a cool look. She crosses a lot of genres. I think she's kind of considered the greatest cover artist. That That's, is true. She and does a lot of cover. This album is one that that kind of started that trend. We'll talk about that later I, on. I got I got connected to Linda Ronstadt through NASCAR. Really? Yeah, because. Uh, She's an adverb in NASCAR when they uh, pull a blue bayou. <laughs> uh, I'm a dad. I got to tell uh, these jokes. You just can't take him anywhere. This is what I love. This is the first single released from the album, and it went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Yep. This is You're No Good. It's a celebration of a breakup because the singer is glad that they're gone because you're no good. I'm here 
in the background. Is is this one of those albums the Eagles were on? This is. Um, I don't know that the Eagles. No, the Eagles were uh, were with her in a, in a touring band. Oh, okay. But I don't know if there were individual members that might have contributed. Actually, to actually it. have an amazing connection for this. Really? Uh, Linda Ronstadt used to play with a group called The Section. Okay. Uh, it was a bunch of session artists. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, members of that group were Steve Lukather, David Page, and John. Percaro. I recognize that name. Where do you remember do they... where they're from? Uh, I don't know. Tell me, tell me, Lynch. One of the greatest bands that has ever walked planet Earth. Really? What would that be? Toto. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. That's right. Linda Ronstadt played with the founding members of Toto. That's awesome, Lynch. Mic drop. I knew I liked her for a reason. Yeah. So, Linda Maria Ronstadt came out of Tucson, Arizona. She's the third of four children born to a pioneering Arizona family of Mexican and German descent. And she is considered the first arena class female rock star. Yeah, I can see that. They refer to her as the first lady of rock. Lady Gaga was not able to comment on that. They also (laughs) refer to her as the queen of rock. Really? Queen not could not hard. be reached reach for comment. Not hard. Not hard, even though they did Little Queen. Mm. I like Orlando Ronstadt. I'm not sure she beats out Hart for that yeah. title. Yeah. Well, she did precede Hart. Um, her professional start is considered to be the folk rock trio called the Stone Ponies. They had a hit with Different Drum, which Rob featured in his staff pick uh, a while back in January of 1968. Wow. This is amazing. Isn't it a good song? It really is. Well, I sort of like the cover by Van Halen a little better than this. Well, this is... um, this is a cover of a song that was written by Clint Ballard Jr. and first performed by Dee Dee Warwick in 1963. Oh, so this was a re- same same thing. Yeah. In fact, this is the success of this song would set the template for what Ronstadt would do over the next five years. She did a lot of covers and remakes of classic rock and roll songs. So this is where that got the start. And this is, I mean, this is the most famous version of this song, I would, I would think. Although I think all of us are kind of, kind of a, a fan of the Van Halen version. Oh, absolutely. She would close out her live shows with this song as early as 1973. So she's been doing this for a while. I wonder if she's still out there. That's a good question, and she is not. She retired in 2011. Wait, there's a banjo on What the Riff? You gotta like that. I love a banjo. We did Squeeze Box by The Who. That was a banjo. That's true. (laughs) Now, this is an original recording rather than a cover. Oh, okay. What's it called? It's called Faithless Love. It was written by J.D. Souther for Ronstadt. It's a deeper cut off the album although it would hit number 10 on the Billboard Hot Country Songs chart when Glenn Campbell covered it in 1984. You recognize that name, J.D. Souther? Does that sound familiar? Yep. Yep. 
He wrote a lot of songs for Ronstadt. He wrote a lot of songs for the Eagles or co-wrote with the Eagles. He did uh, You're Only Lonely. Yes, and he did. used to be Her Town, too. That's right. All right, I'm going to digress back to the Eagles. They were a backing band for her yeah. during the 1971 concert tour. And they just said, hey, we sound so good. Let's just go off on our own. That's right. Everything. So, yeah, That's right. I can see where. That's where they got their start. Exactly. There are yeah. three Eagles on this album. Are there? Yes. Okay. So that, that tells that yeah. answers that question. Glenn Fry, Timothy B. Schmidt, and Don Henley okay. are all playing different songs. Although this would not, uh, Timothy B. Schmidt would not be considered an, a member of Eagles at this point. I think he was still with Poco in 1970. Yeah. 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 He they all ran in the same circles. Right. He said, well, he said, this is the last worthless even that I'll ever spend. And that's, he quit. Quit her band. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm sorry. You think so? <laughs> We'll go with that. We're going to shut your mic off. <laughs> Before becoming an arena class star, Ronstadt had a backing band on tour in 1971. So Don Henley, Glenn Fry, Bernie Leiden, and Rand- Randy Meisner. Yeah. That was the original Eagles format for the Eagles. Yep. I'm seeing another uh, note on here for personnel, and it's Andrew Gold. Uh-oh. Andrew Gold performed with... Ronstadt a lot. Yeah. Yes. Did we talk about the song? What was the name of the song? That they performed this song. Faithless Love. Yeah. Yeah. This is Faithless Love. Right. Yep. So Ronstadt is considered the most successful female singer of the 1970s. She was on the cover of Rolling Stone magazine in March 1975 and would appear on that cover six times. Oh, she is very photogenic. I mean, she's a very, very... Oh, yeah. I, I don't call her good-looking. I call her cute. I mean, it's that, that you know, kind of... Has puppy. that girl-next-door yeah. look. Yeah. Exactly. All-American girl. Yeah. 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 I think she'd go on and marry uh, Jerry Brown, the governor of uh, California, later. She, she, yes. Yes, she did. This will be a a song that people are familiar with. It was first performed by Little Feet and was written by Lowell George, the front man for that group. It's called Willin'. So Linda Ronstadt's cover would be used in James Cameron's film The Abyss in 1989. And a bunch of folks have covered this one as well. George wrote it, uh, uh, Lowell George wrote it when he was a member of the Mothers of Invention, associated with Frank Zappa. I didn't know he was with them, but that's interesting. Yeah. She's got, I love her, I love her accent, how you can hear a little bit of her accent come through in her singing. Yeah. Um, it's, it's nice and clear, but you can also tell she's got that, a little bit of twang going on. Right. And if you give me. There we go. This song is not going to be used on the anti-drug no, uh, no, no. marketing or Weed. anything. <laughs> so Ronstadt was was hugely famous in the seventies, but it didn't always that didn't always agree with her. She felt like 
she had to present this kind of a tough image and that it really wasn't who she was. It wasn't like she didn't feel like that was very authentic. I remember hearing about, you know, doing Pat Benatar and she these female vocalists felt like they had to live up to a certain standards. Right. Or, you know, you had to either be sexy or you had to be super tough. You had to be a bitch. You had to be like just Exactly. You know. Exactly. And and that wasn't what just wasn't who she was. She's participated in a number of Broadway musicals. She branched out into a multitude of song genres. She did everything from roots rock to soundtracks to uh, Spanish uh, songs to uh, to lullabies. She had a whole album of rock music that was done as, as lullabies. Well, I mean, this is back when you had your two types of music. You had your country, yep. and then you had your western. <laughs> <laughs> country and western. We have both types. <laughs> what a great movie. <laughs> the Blues Brothers. But yeah, this is the western part of the country music. So yeah. This yeah. is not the Nashville side. This is the western side. It's. I, I feel like this is, I call this California country. Yeah. You know? It's, um, it, it, it's, it's a good fusion. Ronstadt retired in 2011, and she was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2014. All right. Well, that was awesome, Bruce. Thanks for bringing that. A little different for What the Riff. Now we go into our entertainment track, and we're covering here November of 1974. Yes, you're probably more interested in when this album came out, because it came out about 150 years before this <laughs> episode. But no, no, this, is the, album this is the dance of the Red Flutes. Uh, yes, it's a Christmas theme, but it was also one of the songs that they did during the film Animals Are Beautiful People, and it was a South African nature documentary. So, Wasn't it, it also on the song. Disney? Uh... Oh, it, this... The, the, you, this is free use. You could use this anywhere. We could we could play this forever. But yeah, I mean, Ch- this is how Tchaikovsky? a lot of us. Yeah, it's Tchaikovsky. Uh, a lot of us. This is how you got introduced as when you were younger, along with Bugs Bunny and and these documentaries would use classical music because you didn't have to pay anybody any royalties type of, and yeah, stuff. Exactly. But so. your excuse for putting this in on the entertainment track is the film "Animals Are Beautiful People." Exactly. Gotcha. Exactly. Okay. You know, you know, we'd spotlight something on entertainment. TV, there was nothing really going on in November of 74 that was new. Uh, other movies that came out, Blood for Dracula, a horror movie. Um, imagine that in November. I don't know why it wasn't in October. It missed but, the, it yeah. missed the yeah. Halloween. <laughs> Good marketing. We're supposed yeah. to come out in September. Yeah. <laughs> the Life and Times of Grizzly Adams was a film by Dan Haggerty. That, you know, if you remember the TV show that came out. Oh, yeah. I love that Based on the show. life of John Grizzly Adams. Uh, the Trial of Billy Jack. If you remember the original Billy Jack, this was the sequel, and it's not as good as the original. If you remember, this has started a lot of the uh, disaster movies. Earthquake had Charlton Heston and Ava Gardner in it. I mean, there was, and that's where you get an ensemble cast. There's George Kennedy, Lauren Green. All the uh, airport movies. Yeah, Victoria and... Principal, Walter Matthau. <laughs> yeah, those. exactly. I mean, it's no Mars Attacks, but. Yeah. And John Lynch, the six Ultra Brothers versus the Monster Army. <laughs> I do kaiju love me a kaiju. I do, I do love kaiju films, yeah. man. I do love them. There was The Land That Time Forgot. If There was these adventure movies that came out at that yeah. time that was based off of Edgar Rice Burroughs. 
Was yeah. that the one where they go to a, like a cave in the North Pole and it opens up into a, a exactly. dinosaur world underneath the, yes. the planet? That's the prequel to Jurassic Park. <laughs> there we go. Well, this has been the entertainment of November 1974. Now we're going to go off to staff picks. All right. And who's bringing us our staff pick this time? Oh, that John would be Lynch. me. All right, so I've kind of I kind of ragged on another song, number nine, off of off of this album. But I'm gonna go ahead and give a little shout out to John Lennon for an actual solo. Well, his 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 run after the Beatles. He writes this song, and then he talks Elton John in to come and sing it with him. So you're Is that hearing who's singing with you're him? hearing a duet of John Lennon and Elton John. Oh, cool! Listen, I didn't yeah, know yeah. That. I remember the song. I didn't remember it was a duet. Yeah, this is uh, Walls and Bridges on the on the on the Walls and Bridges album. This is uh, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, 1974. Um, the song was a hit. It was a commercial success. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it shot like straight it. to the top. Um, Listen, you can hear them both. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's got. I mean, Elton John could do no wrong in 1974. Oh yeah. John Lennon, you know. All right, so during the recording of this, Elton John bets Lennon that the song would go to the top, number one. I bet you, John, this song goes number one. John Lennon's like, no way this song goes anywhere. It's just going to be decent, whatever. As part of the wager, Lennon agreed to join Elton John on stage if it reached number one. And sure enough, Perfect. went straight to the top. So Lennon had to go on stage with Elton John and perform this song. On a Thanksgiving concert at Madison Square Garden, yep. November 28, 1974. Yeah, wow. I have that written down in my notes. They did Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I saw her standing there and this song. That would be John Lennon's last major live performance. Yes, it was. Wow. Wow. And listen to that sax. I never knew it was Elton John singing I this with yeah. either. I'm glad I, heard, I, I learned that today. This is obviously written during his breakup with Yoko Ono, which I, I, I'm going to tell you, like, I've listened to the album, Walls and Bridges album, and I'm not a big fan of a lot of the songs, but this song I actually liked, um, be, mostly because of the sax, because you got the duet with Elton John, because it's more upbeat and it's a little more commercial, um, maybe it's a little more mainstream, I guess we call it than his other songs on the album. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the other songs on the album seem very psychedelic, very drug-induced, maybe. I, don't, I, I, don't, I wasn't there. I don't know what, what, what produced them. Mm -hmm. But this song seemed very straightforward. It seemed like a song that you would go, you know, and enjoy at a concert. And so I was like, eh, why not? Elton John released it... Um, on a uh, album called Elton John Band featuring John Lennon and the Muscle Shoals Horns. Oh, interesting. Right after uh, Lennon, Lennon passed. It was kind of a tribute. Like, oh. hey, I'm going to throw this on there and put Lennon's name on it because, you know, he was oh, a buddy. It was, it was recorded in 75. It was released right. uh, when, when uh, yes. Lennon died. Got right, it. Right. I'm Got sorry. It. it was recorded in 75, but it was released. Thanks, Lynch. Now we're going to go over to Wayne for his staff pick. And you guys know I typically don't pick the number one song that came out in November 1974. But this is such a good, positive song. 
and I didn't know if it's still in the zeitgeist or not, but it, to me, it's a song called I Can Help, and I never knew who sang the song, but always thought that Ringo Starr sang it. I did, too. I thought it was the Beatles. Yes. This I swear to you, I also thought this was Ringo Starr. Uh, Ring, I would if you had just played this for me, I would have said Ringo yeah. Starr. If you had to bet the house on it, who it would, would you be pick? Ringo. I mean, it sounds like the Beatles. I mean, it has that swinging guitars, a real simple message, great vocals. The melody is bouncy, it's snappy, it's full of hooks. It has the word "help" in the title. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> who is somebody. it? This is Billy Swan. He's a one-hit wonder. But going back to country, he was very big in the country. This is actually a number one song on the country charts also. Hmm. But he wrote a lot of songs for Conway Twitty, Waylon Jennings, Mel Tillis. Conway like Twitty? Yes. <laughs> you remember those commercials they had for Conway Twitty? And the, oh, oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Those 10-minute infomercials yeah. about Conway Twitty. Let me Twitty. tell you, those are some mighty fine sideburns right there. Yes, they were. Classics. Chops. Well, Billy Swan said, look, because this song was written in 20 minutes. It was recorded in two takes. The whole thing just came out of thin air, because, I mean, including the words and everything else. So, yeah, yeah, I'm assuming, yeah, the Beatles were probably in the background here in his mind. But, yeah, I mean, at the time, you guys remember, Rico Starr was putting out more hit songs than the other Beatles. I mean, this was sort of, he was... He was let loose. You know, we talked about George Harrison and, and everything else. Yeah. And Paul McCartney with wings and everything. Ringo Starr, I've got to say, he has grown on me over time. I have a lot more respect for Ringo Starr today yeah. than I did when I was I was a lot younger. Yeah, and you were falsely attributing this song to him, too. I was indeed. <laughs> well, one of the lines in here is, if your child needs a daddy, I can help. And I was looking at some of the comments people made, and there were quite a few women that made the comment because I was widowed, I've had little kids, and I was wondering, who's this man in this song? And then it turns out they find the man, and they go, 35 years later, this song still holds true for for that person. And in truth, I mean, this goes out to all the men who married women that had children and brought them up on your own. I mean, I, I just got to, you know, say what they say in other towns, mm-hmm. like in Australia. Good on you. Good on you. All right. This is the And the actual, song is over right here. Yeah, you would think so. But this is actually the album version. And it contains this little reprise and everything else going on. So, yeah. Is that a... Kind of organ sounds like a church organ. Yeah. It's got to be a church organ, man. Actually, a record executive said, "Hey, man, because there aren't any hits on this album, so you've got to cut this stuff out." Because you know, but they did cut it out for the single version. So, but yeah, this song would sell over a million copies. That's now, definitely if you a church. Want to go see a interesting uh, doc? It's on Paramount Plus called "Sometimes When We Touch," and this is one of the songs that's on it. But it's, it has some great '70s pop songs. Is Billy yeah. Swan trolling us with these these endings? What's going he on? He is. He's right. done two different endings that faked us out. Here All he comes right. again. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Now you're going to hear somebody different. All right, Rob. What you got? This is from the album. 
Nightmares and Other Tales from the Vinyl Jungle. Welcome to the jungle. It's very bluesy to me. You recognize that voice? Is that Peter Wolf? It is Peter Wolf. Am I saying that right? Yep. This is the Jay Giles Band from their album Nightmares and Other Tales from the Vinyl Jungle that came out in November of 1974. Wow, it's like they wouldn't hit it really, really big until, what, 83? Yes. We covered that album. Yes. I remember this song, though. This is a great song. Yeah. Must Have Got Lost. That's the name of it. Must Have Got Lost. Must Have Got Lost. Yeah. Grammatically incorrect title. But this made it to number 12 on the charts and was one of their bigger hits. It's one of the Rolling Stones' top 100 incorrect, incorrectly uh, yeah. <laughs> grammatized titles. Yeah, absolutely. They started in 1967. Wow. In Massachusetts. You have John J. Giles on guitar and then vocalist Peter Wolf. Saxophone player Richard Magic Dick Solitz. <laughs> you've got. And I didn't say that, Lynch. You've got Stephen yeah, Blatt drums, Seth Justman on keyboards, and Danny Klein on bass. So when you think about Jay Giles, they had this hit in 1975. And then in 1980, come back, made it to number 32. Love stinks. And love stinks, made it to number 38. Centerfold. Oh yeah, that was the 1982. Big album. Yeah, that was a big one. And made it to number one. Freeze frame. And freeze frame. 1982. So they spent a lot of time as just another band out of Boston on the road trying to make ends meet. They were actually Worcester, Massachusetts. So. Oh, no what's problem. interesting, they have a Greatest Hits album that was before the, the album we talked about. It's actually one of those albums you need to download. I never realized this, but Peter Wolf's name was Peter Blankenfeld, and he was a disc jockey, and his air name was Peter Wolf. So that just makes kept sense. That. Peter and the Wolf, right? There you go. All right, now we're going to take it back to the man who started it all today. What do you have for us, Bruce, for your staff pick? We're going to take the tempo down a little bit. Oh, nice. Take down the groove, take up the melancholy. One of my favorite songs. I really like this song, too. This is Wishing You Were Here by Chicago. Nice little guitar work there. Nice waves. Yeah. yeah. Bringing in the sound Makes effects. Noise. You gotta sleep. Peter Cetera wrote this song for the group, and it appears on Chicago 6. That's not him singing. No, that. that's Terry Kath on lead vocals. Oh, okay. You like that harmony? I yeah. love it. I do, too. That's one of the things that Chicago was known for, yeah. is harmonies. And the, the minor keys in here is just amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what really contributes the, the melancholy to it, in my opinion. 
All right, I know they numbered their albums. What number album? This is on? Chicago Six. Six, okay. Yeah. So, interestingly, Chicago is known for these, you know, nice little harmonies. But there's another group that's known for their harmonies as well, which is the Beach Boys. Yeah. And on this album, Al Jardine, Carl Wilson, and Dennis Wilson really? provide harmonies on this song. Oh. Dennis also showed up. Huh? Yeah. Wow. This is um this is not the only time that Chicago and the Beach Boys would uh, would would join together. They also did Feeling Stronger Every Day. Another great song. Yes, that has both Chicago and the Beach Boys wow. on it. It's very impressive. Yeah. You know, if you just heard the harmonies, mm -hmm. if everything else was out, you could probably pick out that sounds like the Beach Boys. Yeah. Right. I, I never I heard that the was bop, bop back in the background there. Yeah. You know that? You know that? The, the, the song Suicide is Painless, the intro yes. song to yeah. MASH. Yeah. The bridge part of that song reminds me of this song. Like yep. the whole, the carry part. This is kind of a neat little change. Isn't yeah. It? We're going to have to bring the horns in eventually. Now, am I, am, am I right that, that that is Peter Soteria? That is definitely yeah. Peter Soteria. Yes, that is. So the song itself is a song about being in a band and being on the road and being away from the ones that you love. Man, they're highlighting the bass there. That was a like almost a lead bass going yeah. on. Steve Perry sang some songs like that. He sang a lot yeah. of songs like that, didn't he? Wheel in the Sky, <laughs> yeah. Faithfully, and all of those. I guess yep. they said the horn section, you can go home today. <laughs> Y'all can take a breather. Yeah. Michael McDonald woke up and said, what? What are we doing? <laughs> so they did tour with the Beach Boys. Really? There was, it was called the Beach Chicago Tour. Oh, oh God. In oh, that would have been sweet. I would have loved to have seen that. I would have seen cool. it, except I was zero years old. <laughs> they repeated the Beach Chicago tour in 1989, so they they did it twice. They do some weird things with their names, right? The Chicago Transit Authority, yeah, the Chicago, the Beach Chicago. <laughs> there you go. Now the horns oh, come back. Oh, they woke back they up. Yeah. Finally, you can take a breather, but don't go away. That's a, a little known fact. That's actually Michael McDonald on the. Uh, no, it's not. Show. I've actually <laughs> met the horn player back in the day, 1985, I think. I met him backstage at a Chicago concert. But yeah, cool guy. The manager, I, not. I love the <laughs> way this this ends too, because it ends. Modulates up into the major key. Gets yeah. to a major. All right. Well, now Sweet. we're gonna go Beautiful. on to an instrumental or comedy. All right, this is one of my favorite comedy songs. Jim Stafford. And it's called... The song is a Wildwood Flower. It's Wildwood Weed. The Wildwood Flower is an old country classic. Oh, it's... it's a whole new popularity. Great, great song. It's a the funny song, song. If, you, popular, if, you, if you like it. But yeah, back in the day, good. out in the woods, 
especially in California, you'd wild grow your own wildwood wild weed. And if you know what we're talking about, you know what we're talking about. Is this <laughs> what Linda Ronstadt was singing about in her song, Willin'? <laughs> Probably so. But we catch up on some of the things we were talking about earlier. But in top hits of November 74, you had Do It Till You Satisfied by BT Express. My Melody of Love, Bobby Vinton. Tin Man by America, another comedy song, or I, uh, Kung Fu Fighting, Carl Douglas, if you remember, we had a lot of Kung Fu movies going on at that time. And that's not a comedy song, man. That's that's for real. Neil Diamond had Longfellow's Serenade, um, some albums that came out, Craftwork, Poco, we talked about Poco a little bit there, The Scorpion, Sticks had Man of Miracles, that's a good album, but it's on their wooden nickel, and so it's not really that popular, but I, I enjoy that song, Tim Lizzie, uh, Queen, Ringo Starr, Bad Finger, Genesis, if you remember they were going through their uh, big art rock slash glam rock slash prog rock days, Bad Finger, Miles Davis, Johnny Winter, yes, Charles Daniels Band, New Riders of the Purple Sage, Sweet. Ohio players, Curtis Mayfield. I mean, there's tons. It's November. Everybody was putting out albums. Marshall Tucker Band had a double So, but yeah. He's talking about smoking the wildwood weed. Yeah. Little wacky tobacco. Uh-oh. What happened? What's happened to the wildwood weed? One day it's fella from Washington. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Why does a sheet... Uh-oh. And he dug and he burned and he burned and he dug and he killed all our cute Oh, my weeds. goodness. That's then he a shame. Away. And what'd you do? We just smiled and waved, sitting there on that sack of seeds. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. You've been listening to What the Riff, November 1974. Back, I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. I'm John. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to What the Riff. We hope you enjoyed the songs we had on tap today. Please tell your friends about us, follow us on Facebook, and visit whattheriff.com to find all our episodes. Special thanks to our sponsors, the Southeastern Railway Museum, Stanton Electric, and Marbury Creative Group. That's all for this week. We'll be back next week for more What the Riff.